Hello, everyone. Welcome to Next Level Coaching with Rick Rass here. I'm very excited that you're here today, and I'm even more excited that you're ready to take your life to the next level. As promised in my first podcast, I said I would do a story about the day I died at Wausau Whitewater Park. I thought it would be helpful to give you some background on the schedule of events that played a part in what I call the perfect storm. My schedule for working with teams in August is usually full by March or April. With 70 to 75 teams scheduled the last three weeks, I typically work with three, sometimes four teams a day for two and a half, three hours each team. The week prior to August 29, 2015 was no exception. I had a college football and a college volleyball team on my schedule that Sunday the 23rd and was off to the races the rest of the week. Traveling to multiple locations in a day certainly creates some stress. Those who live in Minnesota know what I'm talking about when you drive from Egan to St. Michael Albertville, from Dasso to Andover, from Rochester to Roseville, from Northfield to Mount West Tonka, and finally driving north from Lakeville back home to St. Cloud late Friday afternoon. Besides starting at 7 or 7.30 in the morning and going till 8, 9 o'clock at night, I was also working out early in the morning or later into the evening. So I was operating on 4 to 5 hours of sleep and probably not eating the best or as much as I should have been eating. I didn't get back to St. Cloud until about 7 o'clock and it took me a while to unload all my gear from the training that I've done with teams for several days. And then I headed home to load up all my kayaking gear for the next day at Wausau Whitewater Park. My son was in the garage visiting with me and he was excited to watch a movie. So I loaded my gear up quickly and went in the house and relaxed for a couple hours. A week like that is exciting, it's fun, and I think I operate on adrenaline because I love doing what I do and it's exciting to make an impact. I was on the road by 4.35 o'clock in the morning, and I knew it wasn't going to be a warm day because the temps were in the 30s on the way there. Weekends at Wausau Whitewater Park are the best for multiple reasons. Number one, there are lots of great people who paddle there. Number two, there are great features, and features that are available for a variety of skill levels. The third reason I really love Wausau is the fact that it's a dam release and you know that there are going to be great features there and it's not contingent on the amount of rainfall we're getting. So you can plan for those weekends. When I got there, it didn't take me long to realize that I had forgot my dry top. A dry top is waterproof for the most part. There's a rubber gasket around your neck and around your wrist. All I had in my bag was a splash top, which doesn't offer much protection from the elements. The dam release is scheduled for 10 o'clock in the morning, but they typically have the gates open by 9.30. I'm usually on the water by 9.30, 9.45, getting warmed up up on top and ready to rock and roll on the features once the gates are open. As usual, I was having a blast on the water, trying to take my skills to the next level. I was on the water for a solid two plus hours and I was cold. However, I wanted to get as much paddling in as I could before it got busy on the whitewater part. Freestyle kayaking is one of those extreme sports that draws guys that are living on the edge sometimes. And many of those guys had hangovers and they're not going to be on the water till noon. Plus there's people traveling and they typically don't get there till noon or one o'clock. 
if there are three or four, five people in an eddy, it's not too bad. You don't have to wait too long. But if it gets to be five, ten, or more people waiting to get on a river feature, then you end up sitting in your boat for ten plus minutes. I remember looking up at the shoreline, and a friend of mine who I'd been paddling with was standing by my truck. He was wrapped in a blanket, and he had a dry suit on. I thought, oh my gosh, that looks good. And I remember looking at my watch thinking, oh, ten more minutes. I wanted to nail a phonics monkey before I got off the water. For those who aren't familiar with freestyle kayaking, I usually say that it's kind of like gymnastics on the water. Even a novice or intermediate paddler may not be familiar with what a phonics monkey is. You would be facing upstream on a feature or a foam pile, and to initiate a phonics monkey, you drop the front edge like you're going to do a cartwheel, and then you do a crossbow stroke. The power of the water grabs your blade, and then you throw your hips around to do a complete pirouette, a 360 on the water, and then finish the phonics monkey with a loop. Just the loop itself requires some timing. Basically, what you're doing is jumping up out of the water completely with your boat, and then you go end over end and land back in the feature. To score on a phonics monkey, you have to do all of that and stay in the feature. In hindsight, I should have got off the water earlier for a couple reasons. Number one, I had been on the water so long, and I was tired. I was cold, and I had reached the point of diminishing return long before that particular time. I guess I was just being stubborn, or my determination I wasn't going to quit till I reached my goal. Number two, obviously, for what was about to happen. Derek and Jeremy are both friends, and they were paddling in that feature as well, along with a younger girl named Caitlin. I was sitting in my boat, waiting for my turn to get in the feature, and my whole body just went bzzz. And I remember thinking, as I started to drop over, oh shit. Initially, I thought I could tell this whole story by myself, but I think it's going to be more effective to bring in some of the people that were there. Derek, I just mentioned, was in the feature with me. He'll be the first one that you get to hear from. Well, my name is Derek Grisbeck. And right now we're talking about uh, the day Rick died <laughs> at Wausau. And I chuckle because it all turned out okay, but I haven't thought about this for quite a while. Rick and myself and another friend, uh, Jeremy, and maybe one or two other people, we don't exactly remember. We were in a small eddy at Wausau Whitewater Park. And Wausau Whitewater is a great spot in Wisconsin, where they divert a channel of water from a large dam into a man-made course with many features to play boats. So as you kind of go down this course, you'll pull off to the side, go into what we call a hole, which is like a hydraulic or a, a river feature where you can do a bunch of fun moves and uh, tricks, and we call it playboating. So Rick and I and Jeremy and a couple others were at a specific feature, hole number four, and we were playboating. And when you get off the feature, you're in what's called an eddy, which is kind of a calm area where you can just sit in your boat and chat or drink some water. And all of a sudden, Rick flipped upside down. And he was in his boat. We're all sitting in our kayaks, just sitting in the, the calm part of the eddy. And, you know, honestly, we didn't think anything of it. If you know Rick, he's kind of a jokester sometimes and likes to play around and have fun. So we all just assumed he was messing with us or he wanted to work on his roll or a hand roll. A roll is when you're upside down, either intentionally or more often unintentionally, and you write yourself. Essentially, you flip over so your head is above water and you can continue to paddle. 
So we weren't really sure what he was doing, but Rick was upside down for a little while. And honestly, that's not unnormal for any paddler uh, to flip over for various reasons. We continue talking and a little time passes. Rick's still upside down. The back of my mind, I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. He should have been popped up by now. But again, you know, it's Rick. He's just messing with us, whatever. A couple more moments pass. I'm talking to Jeremy and I think maybe her name was Caitlin. I don't fully remember. And this had probably been 20 to 25 seconds, which isn't a super long time. But if you just try to like take a, a deep inhale, a big deep breath in and then hold your breath, you know, 25, 30, 30 plus seconds, you really start to kind of notice that. And all of a sudden we kind of noticed that Rick had let go of his paddle at this point and his hands were kind of like floating near the surface. And at this point he was near the eddy line, which is where the calm part of the river meets the actual current. And he kind of started just really slowly, his boat was moving towards the current and something in the back of my mind. And I don't really know what happened was just, it was like a light switch. And it went from like, this is funny. Rick's messing around. Rick is fine to just something snapped. And it was like, Rick is not okay. This is not good. So what I did is I took my paddle and I whacked it on the bottom of his boat on the hull, the big flat part. He was still upside down. And I went, Rick, or something to that nature. Rick, are you okay? Bam, 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 bam. Hit the bottom of his boat. Obviously, if he was okay, he would know we were worried or he would pop up. No response. And this all kind of happened in a, a fluid motion. And by that time, he actually drifted out of the eddy into the current. And no response. Rick's upside down. He's unresponsive. He's in the current. Um, these are all bad things. So I remember I quick chased out to him in the current and I kind of get alongside him. And even though this is a small river, current is not super strong. You know, there's just no easy way to really remedy this situation. Fortunately, I am a ACA, American Canoe Association, kayak instructor. So I've had certification, 40-hour course. We get recertified every several years and practice these skills. There's a move called the hand of God, in which case you pull up alongside someone's boat who is upside down and unresponsive. So you can kind of picture two kayaks parallel to each other, either going down the river or anywhere on the water. I reach over and you put one hand on the opposite side, the far side of the other person's kayak, and you put your other hand on the near side. So you push down with one hand and you pull with other to get that good torque. You know, you really want to get that twisting motion. Uh, spin him, hopefully get him upright and get him breathing again, or just get him out of the water and see what the hell's going on. By the time this all happened, we had moved from feature number four or hole number four and we had actually gone over feature number three, which is just another small rapid. Hole number three is not nearly as strong. It's more of a small wave. And luckily we just bopped right through that. I don't recall exactly if he was upside down still or if I had flipped him over, but at some point between him going into the current and getting through hole number three or wave three, feature three, whatever you want to call it, I had done the hand of God and he kind of uh, was right next to him. And as I spun the boat over, his chest kind of came up. He kind of fell back and you could see his loose body flipped back and he was kind of limp. But because I was right next to him um, and twisted his boat in this process, he came up like right next to me. I mean, you can almost think of like, I'm almost hugging his boat. And these are very small boats. 
and I saw his face and uh, it was a really bad color. It was pretty dark purple, dark blue. And I assume in hindsight, this was one because he was upside down. So all the blood probably rushed to his head. But also he has suffered some kind of cardiac arrest, which is why he came unconscious in the first place and was unresponsive. So it was a combination of not breathing, going through some kind of cardiac arrest and being upside down in cold water and the blood rushing to his face. Um, that was just this horrible dark blue, dark purple, kind of grayish all mixed together. And I just remember like my heart sank and thought, oh my God, Rick is dead. But at this point, Rick is upright. I'm holding his boat. He's kind of almost half laying on like my shoulder, flat against my body or my boat almost. So next move is to get him out of the current as soon as possible. And at this point, I decided to abandon my paddle because I'm kind of holding on to Rick. So my paddle does no good. And I actually pull my spray skirt, which is what keeps water out of the boat. Essentially, I pop out of my boat while kind of holding on to Rick awkwardly, just kind of popping out of my kayak. And with all the force I could, like pushing Rick's boat and Rick as hard as I could into the eddy to really make sure he was out of the current near the shore as I jump into the water, which is maybe chest deep or so. And at this point, like a lot of people saw what was going on. It was a busy day at Wausau. There was a lot of other paddlers around. There was other kayakers everywhere. And at this point, we get Rick out of his boat by pulling his spray skirt and grabbing his chest and kind of pulling him up onto shore, which is this large area of like large rocks. We're on shore, and at this point, there must have been five, six other people out of their boat. Clearly, there is an emergency going on. And luckily, some other people had stepped into action and kind of took over. After we got Rick out of his boat, they started to remove his life jacket, his helmet, his paddling clothes, pretty much wanted to get him out of all that wet, cold gear so they could begin emergency CPR as soon as possible. So kind of at this point, I just totally mentally checked out. There is five, six other people clearly taking charge of the situation. They're getting Rick ready to do CPR, and they actually began doing CPR very quickly. And at this point, I felt as though I played my role. I was pretty much in a major sense of shock after seeing Rick's face and having him be so close to me. And he was fine moments ago, and this crazy thing happened. And other people are dealing with that. So mentally, I just kind of checked out and there was nothing I could do at that point other than just get out of the way and let everyone else do CPR. I think I probably just swam across the river. At this point, everyone knows what's going on. You know, no one's really paddling. There's tens, if not hundred people around. The paramedics are coming. The paramedics got there. They did more AED. They had this Lucas device for the thumper where it really just mimics. It's a mechanical plunger that mimics the CPR motion. So that was going on him. I remember after they did the AED uh, several times, you kind of like leapt up, like you, you like kind of like popped up and then popped back down. So yeah, it was crazy. And eventually the paramedics got you on the cart and they got you back into the truck and took you off to the hospital. Um, everyone was off the water. They let us camp nearby in a city park at the Wausau events. And we were all hanging out, taking some time to reflect on what was going on. I remember all of our friends are just shocked of all the people this would happen to. You would not think Rick Grassier would be the one having a heart issue. He's a health coach and super fit and does all these uh, athletic events. So works out all the time. So that was kind of just shocking. And then we also know him and see him all the time. The next morning, Rick was at the hospital and me and Jeremy went to go see him. 
and uh, he was in the hospital bed, or maybe you were even wa walking around eating lunch at that point. I don't remember. I remember seeing you and your wife and your son maybe was there too, and just being really happy that you were okay. I appreciate Derek's willingness to share his part of the story, and he's not the type of guy that would take much credit, but the way he responded to that situation and the knowledge he had just to be able to do the hand of God maneuver on me certainly played a huge part. Next, we're going to hear from Neil, who is another friend uh, slash kayak instructor slash ER doctor who was probably 30 to 40 feet from where this happened at another feature. I was teaching a student in the section just below where you were. You must have been, I think you were in the four hole, number four. And I was probably below number three hole with the student practicing ferrying and some surfing there. I suddenly noticed that there was a commotion. I quickly got up out of my boat into that river right rock ledge there. We then slid you up on top of the rock in a flat place and started CPR. There was a number of people came, I think there was a young gal who knew CPR also, and some were doing chest compressions and some were doing rescue breathing. And we called then for an AED. And so someone on the river left side went and ran to get an AED, eventually ferried that over in a kayak. We attached the AED when that came. I think we gave a couple shocks, but it, it wasn't effective kept doing this CPR, kind of knew you had fairly good brain perfusion because a couple of times you were actually trying to get up, uh, even though there really was no pulse and you weren't breathing. The paramedics arrived, hooked you up, and you were in ventricular fibrillation, and they started IV. And I think, I can't remember if they did one or two shocks, eventually maybe gave you some epinephrine, and with that, you converted to a sinus rhythm. And basically just kind of then loaded you up on the backboard and carried you out to the ambulance. Uh, they invited me along. I went along with the ambulance to the emergency room and talked to the emergency room doctor there in Aspirus. I uh, explained what happened and then they took it from there. Neil, Carey was the EMT that was also working on me. And she had mentioned after this experience that there was one point where she was kneeling on me with both knees, one arm, and I lifted her completely off the ground. Do you recall that? Yeah, yeah. that was kind of peculiar. And I can't remember exactly again when, maybe when we gave you shocks, we had to kind of hold you down. And I kind of remember, well, it's probably good he's in good physical shape because I think you, you don't see that too often where, where a person's sort of fighting it. And, and indeed, you didn't have a pulse. I mean, you were in ventricular fibrillation. But yet, I think there was enough neurologic function kind of still working when you were essentially, you know, we call that sudden death. You know, you basically had died, but you were being maintained with the chest compressions and the uh, rescue breathing. Gosh, Neil, I know that you played a big part in monitoring the CPR and making sure that it was effective, but there are just so many parts and people that helped out to make this crazy situation come out with a good result. The fact that you were just a few feet away from the bank, and it was a bank where you could get out on fairly easily, and we had a handful of people that could do CPR and call paramedics, which are close by in town. You know, see, everything came together perfectly so that you really essentially had a perfect outcome. Neil is also the owner and or director of Whitecap. 
Whitecap provides lessons for kayakers at the Wausau Whitewater Park and does an amazing job. Sandy is one of those instructors, and she was down in the bottom part of the river with some students, and we're going to hear from her next. So Faith and I were teaching a lesson at the bottom of the river at uh, the Wausau Whitewater Park, and we were just getting ready to get everyone out of their boat to walk up to the last two drops to let them paddle those. And when we got up there and arrived at the bottom of the drop, we could see that the river was turned off, that the water had dropped. And I looked across the river and I saw a boat on the shore, which is not normally a place where you can have any boats there. And then I saw several people and there was someone lying down. Then I looked closer and that person was getting CPR. So I started praying with faith for that person to be revived, that everything would go well and that person would come to. And, and then a little while later, after we were praying, we heard someone say that it was you, that it was Rick. And then I just dropped to my knees and cried out for God to intervene on Rick's behalf. And then after a while and some praying, some time passed and there was Leanne who was teaching the lesson with us earlier uh, that he's gone, he's in a better place. And I looked up and I just cried out asking Jesus to save Rick and let him live. And when I looked up, Rick sat up. And I just started shouting and praising God and thanking Jesus. And Faith and I were hugging and some of the others that were around us. And we were just all excited. And we were watching then as the paramedic laid him back down to carry Rick from that side of the river to the ambulance. And then started talking and thinking that we should try to contact your family and his wife, Henny. And then Faith and I walked over to his truck and she had started looking around for his keys. And there was someone else there, I think, looking for him too. And Faith got his keys and um, we unlocked the truck and we drove the truck to the hospital. And we were just waiting a long time there. Finally, about three, four hours later, we got to go see him and talk to him. And he was in like a induced coma, I think they put him in. And talked to him and told him that he was going to be all right and that he was going to recover completely. And, and then he smiled and we all talked there and, and found out he was completely fine. I think it was either that night or the next night without any problems. And thanks to God for that. It's kind of hard to hear this story and not think about some kind of divine intervention or the word miracle. We're going to hear from Dan next and hear what he felt about the situation and what he would call it. You were the only person in all of Wausau who wished me happy birthday. And I got in the water a little while later, and I was up about two holes in front of you, and they started blowing the whistle. And in fact, I thought it was annoying because they were blowing the whistle. I'm like, well, what could be happening that they need to blow this whistle? So I just kind of kept on going, and it was real all features. So I didn't think anything of it. Eventually, I got out of the water, and then I walked back, and uh, I saw everyone on the riverside looking across the river. And I saw your boat, and I said, well, Rick's helping. That's exactly what I thought. There's Rick's boat. He's helping. And everyone kept saying, well, who is it? Who is it? And then somebody said, it's Rick. And I just sat there. I'm like, are you kidding me? Honestly, Rick, you're probably one of the most gifted freestylists in the Midwest. And particularly for your age, you've got to be one of the best in the country. And so watching you work uh, is awesome. But the thought of you having any sort of paralysis, you know, you, you kind of have a almost like a godlike presence on that section. And, and so here you are, and we're all looking across the river, and I think everyone's aghast. And they didn't just work on you for a little while. They worked on you so long that I think everyone on our side of the river thought you were gone. And I, I know you were, but they were really trying hard. 
to get you. Irony of it all is you have a nurse that's out there. Then one of the uh, kayakers uh, is a, an ER doctor. You know, I think Wausau is probably the safest kayaking place in the country. And there you are on a rock and uh, they're working on you. And uh, it was uh, unbelievable. And to have somebody wish you a happy birthday and then see them dead two hours later on a rock, it'll never, ever leave my mind. And I can't remember, I think that they ran the, the fib across in a boat, I'm pretty sure, a kayak over to you. And then when they shocked you, you could see it. And then finally the the ambulance had to get there and it was a tough get for them because it was on the wrong side of the river. But your color, you were gray. That's when I, I yelled across the river, fight like hell, you know, Rick, fight like hell. And then you, you did a thing with your fist. It was one of the most profound moments of my life. You touched the other side and you came back. I've said childbirth is a miracle, but what I saw that day with you was a miracle. It was a miracle. There's a reason that you're here. And I think it's probably the cause you're embracing. It was miracle on the rock. You were just dead on the rock over there, buddy. I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it. It was just an unbelievable event. Wow, Dan. I like the idea of miracle on the rock. And that's definitely what it was. Do you remember any of that stuff or do you just remember coming to or? People will often ask me that question. And oftentimes they also ask, did you see the light? And my response is, well, I didn't see anything, but I heard just about everything. And they kind of get this look on their face and it's crazy. But I remember hearing so much of what was going on around me. Rick, stick with us. We got you. Hang in there. Keep fighting. And at one point I remember when Carrie said that she was kneeling on with me with both knees one arm, I remember feeling like I was wrestling with people and they were holding me down and I was trying to get away from them. So in a sense, I was trying to fight the people that were trying to save me. An unbelievable birthday present, my 47th birthday. So I, I did it you for know. you, Dan. Yeah, come, right. Yeah, yeah, back. sure you did. What did almost dying do to you? You feel like it changed you as a person? I've always been really passionate about what I do, but it was almost like that event just took that to another level. Every event I do with a team, a group, it's almost like I feel like this could be the reason I'm back. This one yeah. day could be the reason I'm back. My new life theme is every minute has a purpose. There's so much to this story that I'd like to add, but I can't put everything on because it would be hours long. A good friend of mine named Mike took the time to write a powerful, powerful blog following the experience. We're going to hear from him in a little bit but I'm going to read just a portion of it. It's called The Gift of Life. Have you ever witnessed an event so emotionally charged that you were instantly awakened to the realization that every day is a gift? This past weekend, I witnessed an event that has shaken me from complacency. I feel compelled to share this incredible story with you. It was my second trip to Wausau Whitewater Park, and no sooner did I enter the river that I capsized and was swimming down the rapids. As I swiftly floated past more experienced kayakers, they graciously lent a hand by securing my boat and assisting me safely to the bank. One of these individuals is Rick, a charismatic veteran of the park who gave me some reassurance. It's okay, with a smile, he said, as he pushed my boat to the Stillwater Eddy. I remember Rick from my previous visit as one of the top finishers in the freestyle championship competition. His confidence, skill, and athleticism in a whitewater kayak was impressive, but perhaps even more memorable was his lean muscular physique, uncharacteristic for a man at any age, 
but even more so for a man in his 50s. After retrieving my boat and safely leaving the water, my paddling partner Chris and I began our walk up the bank for another run on the river when we heard a commotion, yells and shouts of urgency, along with running bodies. Then I saw a prostrate body laying on the rocks on the opposite bank of the turbulent river. The red-tinted rock emphasized the unnatural color of the man's skin, which was a deathly purple hue, a combination of blue from epoxia and suntan skin. A small blonde-haired woman, her name was Carrie, was empathetically pumping the man's chest. Scrutinizing the scene more closely, I realized that that man was Rick. More and more people gathered. Several were crossing the river to assist with CPR, and I momentarily considered adding to this effort, but painfully realized I lacked the confidence in my CPR skills. The minutes seemed like hours as I watched Rick intently for any sign of movement or any indication from the responders of life. Damn it! Move! Fight! I yelled. My vision began to blur with tears as I recollected how survival rates with good neurological outcome decreased as time passed, especially without defibrillation. After ten minutes, my optimism for Rick's survival faded substantially. More time elapsed before the EMTs could take over as they had to navigate to the nearly inaccessible point on the far bank. Although impossible to estimate the elapsed time, which seemed like hours was actually 20 minutes since the initiation of CPR, I watched Rick get hit with multiple shocks with no response. It was then I became conscious of the tears running down my face. I was absolutely certain of Rick's demise. I couldn't watch any longer and told Chris I was leaving. To read this blog, you can go to mikesmixtures.com and find his blog. But he shares about how him and Chris went back to their campsite, poured a Paps Blue Ribbon on the lawn. You know, this one's for Rick. And when they heard some screaming back at the site, they decided to go investigate. Mike, you did such a great job writing that blog and then followed up by sponsoring some CPR courses at Wausau and some other sites. Can you share a little bit about the experience outside of what you shared in the blog? When all that happened, I was really, really moved, probably more than ever or any other time in my life. Like it was just, it affected me so greatly. And when I was, you know, after all that was through, I, I have to do something. I have to take this feeling you know, this, uh, this energy and transform it into something. I've always wanted to write. I just find that I'm not very good at it, or it's very difficult to get through. But at least with this example, I started writing, I think on the way home and just kept working on that until it turned into something that I liked until it, it looked like something until my feelings were on paper and kind of demonstrated and kind of, it was like a time lock too, that I could go back and like, okay, revisit like how I was feeling and how everyone else was feeling basically when it went down. What you're saying, I mean, there's a reason why you wrote that and the outcome of it, you offering to sponsor those CPR classes at Wausau two weeks later, who knows how that equips somebody with the skills that they needed somewhere else. From that experience too, I just saw the power of CPR. That blew my mind too. You know, I, I probably don't believe in many things in life, but I believe in CPR. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all from that incident. It was, oh my God, that was amazing. I hope for the rest of my life and everybody that was there and experienced that, or potentially even people that read about it later, 
I hope everybody follows through and just keeps that knowledge handy that, wow, this, this could save somebody's life and will save somebody's life in the right circumstances. If it had just been you and me out there, I would have failed miserably. I would have panicked because I didn't have confidence in what I was doing and how to approach it. And just revisiting that CPR training every year, every other year, I think it's needed. Previous to that incident, I had been certified in CPR probably more than one time. And I even, I went to medical school for a bit. We learned the ins and outs of CPR and it had just been so long since I had practiced it. I didn't have the confidence in it. So not only is it important to see it once, but this is something I got to revisit pretty frequently to keep it fresh in my mind, just so that confidence is there, that if something does happen, that I'm going to pump on somebody's chest for 27 minutes or whatever it is, somebody else shows up to give me a hand. And like, it very well could be keeping somebody alive and not only alive, but like in perfect physical condition afterwards too. Well, and when you wrote what you wrote in your blog, I mean, I I think a lot of people could relate where you stood on the other side of the river and you mentioned something about you didn't feel confident enough to go over and help out. And that really hit you. It's a bad feeling, helplessness. One of my hopes in sharing this story is that people will get certified in CPR and recertified and stay current. There's a good reason for it. I ended up spending 48 hours in the hospital, which is standard protocol for anyone with a cardiac arrest. They wanted to put an internal defibrillator in me, but I refused. However, I did agree to see a doctor when I returned home to St. Cloud. Dr. Titi is one of the best heart specialists in the Midwest. One of the things he said afterwards is he said, Rick, I've been in medicine for almost 30 years and I've never seen anything so ridiculous. Number one, that I was alive. Number two, that I didn't have any cognitive delay, no stroke-like symptoms, no memory loss, no broken ribs, no crushed sternum. It was beyond unbelievable. I was back on the water three days later. The chances of me surviving something like that was a fraction of a percentage point, and not having any long-term issues was even more unbelievable. Carrie, the EMT who worked on me so long and so hard, was really the hero of this story. If you Google Rick Rassier dies, you'll find an article called Second Chance, Rassier Confident After Cardiac Arrest. That article does a great job of talking about what Carrie's role in this experience was. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about this. The whole thought of not giving up and fighting to the end is really what athletics is all about and any other aspect of life, just not to give up because you never know what the outcome could be. I hope this has been some source of encouragement for you and inspires you to make the most of every minute because every minute truly has a purpose. Thanks for listening.